Hello everyone, welcome back. It's time for Customers Who Click. Before we get started, don't forget you can head over to customerswhoclick.com for the full backlog of episodes or find them on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, via the website, you'll also get access to some of the bonus content that I produce, including loads of tips based off these episodes. Today's guest is Gen Furukawa. We're going to be talking about how e-commerce businesses can use quizzes to enhance the customer experience. By using these quizzes, you can generate a huge amount of data about who your customers are, what they're looking to buy, and when they're looking to buy. You can then build out automation flows or tie it into your acquisition strategy. But I'll get Gen on now to explain exactly how. Hi, Gen. Thanks for joining me today. Do you want to just quickly introduce yourselves a little bit and tell us a bit like your background, how you've got to where you are now? Yeah, sure. Hey, well, uh, thanks for having me, first of all. So I am a co-founder of Prehook, which is a quiz platform to help Shopify merchants ask questions of, of their customers and then recommend a product. So it, it's, a, it's a quiz builder, and that's kind of like at the surface level. But beyond that, our goal is to help merchants capture more leads, Im- improve conversion rate. And ultimately, the most important part, I think, is to capture customer data. So you, you might have heard of zero-party data which is becoming more and more important at the forefront of the minds of e-commerce marketers because of the fact of the changes kind of in the macro level of iOS 14.5 changes, iOS 15, uh, third-party cookies being deprecated. All this basically means that the data that has become so important in the marketing strategies of e-commerce brands is all of a sudden being taken away or, or changing. So what was a kind of a reliable strategy of using Facebook ads, for example. And you, you can use their, their um, Facebook's algorithm and they can find the right audiences. And, it, and then it becomes about creative and just getting it out there. That's not possible as, as much anymore. So our quiz builder, and just quizzes in general, are a way to help merchants uh, interact directly with brands, learn about their customers, and then create a more personalized experience, marketing experience, both on site with follow-up emails, with paid ads, uh, you know, in terms of segmentation and uh, SMS marketing. So yeah, I've been knee deep in in the, the world of quizzes. We started building it in March of 2020, launched in March of 2021. And uh, and we're, yeah, we're, we're seeing uh, great feedback, great products, uh, or uh, great feedback from the merchants in terms of the value that they're getting from having a channel to interact directly with their customers. Yeah, cool. So obviously you started building this way before iOS 14.5 and all that stuff happened. So what was it that kind of at that time got you thinking, this is going to be a good business. Uh, this is what other marketers need. This is what brands need. Yeah, so I, I'm my two co-founders are uh, both running the product and development of, the, of Prehook. And we met five years ago. We were part of the founding team of Jungle Scout. <clears throat> which is an Amazon product research tool, helps people find profitable opportunities on Amazon. Uh, and I was leading the marketing team. <clears throat> and what I found in leading the marketing team is, uh, and this is more on the software side, but the, the product was very broad in terms of how people were using it and the value that they derive from it. And churn was the biggest challenge, uh, kind of like the impediment to growth. Uh, you know, every month you'd want to acquire new customers. Of course, you you churn out customers, but we were never quite able to figure out what exactly was most important to these people, uh, the value for them with Jungle Scout. And so uh, realized that if we were able to understand 
what problems they were trying to solve and and kind of like tailor the onboarding experience around that, then they would stick around far longer, derive more value and and ultimately kind of like from a lifetime value perspective, be more valuable. <clears throat> and then started realizing that the same actually applies to e-commerce merchants because um, take any product, there are a lot of ways that people could use the product or the problems that they're solving, the preferences that they have, why they're actually on the site. A, a merchant might not necessarily know what problem they're solving for. And so we realized that a quiz is, is a great way to kind of at scale, help ask a few questions and then get the shopper to the right product as quickly as possible all along the way, capturing leads uh, and that customer data that I mentioned. Yeah, sure. So um, how do you work out what the right questions are? What's the, do you have some steps, like questions that you have to ask yourself and think, right, what are we trying to achieve with this? Yeah, how do you, if you're, let's say you're onboarding a new client, how would you push them in the right direction of asking those the right questions? Yeah, that's a good question. So I I personally always think that uh, the shorter, the better, because then you're seeing less of a drop off. As, as you ask more questions, it becomes um, every single question is an opportunity to just say, forget it, I want to leave. Um, and I think at, at the end, the, conceptually, the way to start is like, what is the value that the shopper is going to get from taking this quiz? So I think that's the most important underlying premise, because otherwise, if, if there's no reason to take the quiz, people don't necessarily want to just like spend time on a site answering questions if there's nothing in it for them at the end. So uh, the value that you're providing at the end, I think, is most important. And that that will kind of put the parameters around what questions you're asking. But like, what does that value actually mean? I think that it could be a product recommendation, which is helpful, for example, if you have a large inventory or a lot of SKUs and it, it becomes the challenge of finding the right product is important. Uh, I think an, another thing might be, you know, a personalized product itself. That's more of like a, a specialized niche, but you might see pro shampoo, for example, or persona uh, vitamins. And, and so those products are tailored specifically around the answers that I give in the quiz. A, another way uh, might be like a, a routine builder or some um, like assessment of some sort. Uh, but I think ultimately all these things rely around helping people like learn about themselves. And so the premise of a quiz ultimately is like self-discovery. And that's where it becomes a great hook. Like, hey, answer a few questions and you'll learn something about yourself. You'll, you'll get something at the end. And I think like if you can build a quiz around that, then it's not just like, hey, I'm giving you uh, information as a shopper and you can just take it as you use it as you want as a brand. Um, the shoppers are becoming a little bit more perceptive and and protective of their the information that they're giving. And that's where zero-party data, and, and so I should define zero-party data as data that a shopper willingly and proactively shares with a brand, which is different than first-party data, which is data that that is coming from a shopper, but is more passive. So that might be things like... Um, Per, uh, products purchased or uh, what you might see in their billing information of a zip code or or demographics like gender or location. Um, and so a lot of first party data requires some assumptions. So, well, if you're buying, you know, like moisturizer, then you might assume that you're, you have dry skin and, and you're looking to achieve that. Maybe it's for a gift though, or maybe, you, you know, you're buying it for your partner. Um, but if you're, taking quiz, 
and you can ask these questions directly, you're actually certifiably knowing why they're buying it. And then therefore you can tailor the messaging, the, the offers, the campaigns, specifically around the problems that you're trying to solve. So um, yeah, I, I think that's where zero party data is different. Yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it? It's asking those questions that the customer can see the value in it. They can, they, yeah. they're, even, they're just looking at the question and they're thinking, you want me to answer this question because you're going to provide some sort of recommendation or something afterwards, right? And a lot, a lot of the quizzes that I've seen are quite explicit about that. They say, Let, let's build your personal plan. It's really, really popular in fitness, right? There's loads of fitness yeah. apps, nutrition apps, where as part of the sign-up process, they do that. And they ask you, are you male, female? What's your age? What's your, uh, how high How high are you? How tall are you? Um, how, how much do you weigh? That's obviously really important for, for what they do. And, and then it's, they go into things like, how much do you exercise? What sort of diet do you have? All that sort of stuff. And then it obviously changes depending on the app. And then the purpose of that is then say, here is your personal plan that we've created based off your answers. And you know that entire way through the process, you are building to that, uh, that plan. Now, that, uh, that's different to a lot of, what a lot of e-commerce businesses do really, which is, uh, what's your email address? What's your phone number? What's your date of birth? Right? None of those, uh, yeah, I mean, none of those pieces of information are helpful to the customer to give to that business. Totally. And, and I think maybe as we move past 2021, there are, there are customer expectations of uh, personalized shopping experiences. And then uh, you can see, I think it was Epsilon. There are, there are some studies on what customers expect in terms of the brand experience. And so people are more likely to spend more, to buy more, to refer more, and to purchase more often if they have a personalized experience with a brand. But like you say, if you're just getting an email and um, maybe a phone number, maybe a name, there's not a lot of data to work with in terms of like what that personalized experience might be. But if you're talking about, for example, like a, a workout regimen, um, there's even just knowing like, what are your goals or where are you at or what problems are you solving? Um, these these are, are really meaty questions and, and really very simple to answer if you're the shopper. Um, but you can build uh, content campaigns around that to share. You can uh, narrow down the products that you're providing, the um, kind of like check-in. I think that there's um, like the, the personalization really is premised on what data you're working with. And if you don't have a lot, and so say you're just going on like email engagement, I mean, iOS 15, you might not get open rates if they're on you know a Mac client anymore. Yeah, but it, it, even that, you're not, there's, there's absolutely no benefit to the customer of that, right? You're not, you're not changing yeah. the content. You're not changing the, the messaging. You're literally just saying, I'm going to stop emailing you because you've, I don't think you've opened my email for X number of weeks or whatever. Totally. It can be even as simple as the wording of the, of the email, right? So you might, you could do exactly the same email. Let's, let's say, go back onto the fitness. So you've got someone who wants to lose, uh, like, belly fat, someone who wants to tone up, someone who wants to, uh, I don't know, grow, get muscle mass or something, right? At the very least, you can just reference those in your emails, right? Ideally, you'll be recommending products for them. That's, that's an easy thing to do. Um, and you might put some content together that 
does actually target those three. But if you don't want to spend hours and hours and days building out different automation sequences that are very, very different, at the very least, you can just mention the fact that these things are good for fat loss or for building muscle and just make small changes throughout the flows, which people then recognize as you know, being relevant to them. And they're more likely to yeah. more likely to open the emails, more likely to click the emails, more likely to make purchases. Totally, totally. And and if you want to like get in the weeds for a second, I think you know like Clavio or OmniSend or uh, so so our product we we integrate with Clavio and OmniSend and, and PostScript. The the data the quiz answers come through as custom properties or uh, data attached to an event. And so when you're saying like, hey, well, we saw that we know that. You know, and then at that point, you're just inserting the custom property. So it, it and it flows nicely. We know that getting uh, losing belly fat is important to you. Here's some content that we put around. And so you're building, you're including the, um, you're, you're basically building once, and then it can be used for whatever problems that you're solving because you're just like, you know, almost a fill in the blank with the custom properties that come f- directly from the quiz. Uh, and then, yeah, because you know, like if, you, you can create if statements. If belly fat is important, then share, you know, this content. And so you're kind of like building dynamic blocks within the email. So uh, one campaign that you're including and you, you just like add these different variables, all of a sudden it can appear very differently. The email itself renders differently depending on what problems you're solving for. And so that's where we're seeing a lot of merchants see great success with, um, with personalization. Uh, and I think it's only going to get more important and the customer expect- expectations are only going to get bigger. Uh, and the where the opportunity lies is that a lot of marketers, it might be like 8% or so, there, there's some stat out there of marketers that are able to success, that say they're able to successfully um, master their personalization strategies. And so there's this huge gap of what customers want, which is customer, customization and personalization. And what they're actually getting, which is kind of like generic emails. And it's all because there's there's this like challenge of what data are you working with in order to get a personalized email? Yeah. And the the vast majority of brands, it's first party data. Because you you almost never see a brand ask those questions. Like I said, it it tends to be uh you see it in skincare a lot actually, because you get like build out your your skincare routine. So a lot of skincare brands are, are picking up on that. A lot of fitness brands, because they go down the route of let's let's build you a, a fitness plan or a nutrition plan. Outside of that, you know, just kind of standard e-commerce, you don't see it a lot. Like fashion, I I've not come across many fashion brands. I think uh, pet care actually, like you know, I've seen a lot of quizzes like dog food brands, CBD, um, and I, I listened to a podcast actually. I, I forget the name of the brand. Um, but what's interesting to know, and, and I didn't know this, is uh, that there is actually like a predictive uh, or predictable timeline for the dog breed and age. So there are a lot of these kind of like diseases or um, chronic diseases, challenges that they have, you know, at certain points in their lifestyle. So once once you get that as a brand, so say it's like a you know German Shepherd, you know, a, a German Shepherd like. Come age nine, then they'll have hip problems. Come age ten, then then they'll have like um, disease, uh, like liver, whatever, whatever it is. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but then, it, then you have a data not to personalize per se, but to like offer educational content that I think is important because then it establishes the brand as 
an expert um, because a lot of brand uh, pet owners might not necessarily know this. So there's like the educational element. Well, I think I think there's a lot of. Um, so I mean, uh, we've had dogs at my parents for the last kind of fifteen years. Oh, yeah. I I would know that they have problems, and I know that you know golden retrievers are likely to have these issues. But I didn't know it was a particularly predictive thing. So I think for us, that would have been really good if a, if a brand had said, you know, we know your dog's coming up to seven years old, just so you know, they, there is a chance that they might start having one of these problems. One thing you can do is this, another is this, another is this. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be just really good content, especially is the fact that it, if it doesn't come across as selling and it comes across as really caring and just, you know, we're not trying to sell you a product to fix these problems. We're just trying to make sure that you're aware so that you can look out for symptoms or whatever. Totally. Yeah. If, if you know, Robert Cialdini, who wrote Influence, you know, there are like yeah. six pillars of persuasion and, and what's most important and establishing authority is one of the most important things so that people will look at you as, you're you're the expert, therefore we'll kind of like listen to what you say. And authority, expertise kind of comes through through the content that you share, through the the knowledge that you have. And um clearly a dog brands they're experts in that sense. But if you if they know a, a little bit more of the problem that they're solving in terms of the the dog, the breed and the age, um they can become the expert. And then from there you're seeing like, okay, uh you kind of indirectly you might see a greater likelihood of conversions because like if you're recommending this product that will help my dog at this age like absolutely i'm going to do it you know because you say so and you're the expert yeah i imagine this would be a a fantastic kind of recommendation for a brand would be someone saying i'd recommend this dog food because when my dog turned nine they sent this this piece of information around this breed of dog and the problems they might had have and I went and checked and the dog did have this problem and now we've sorted it. Yeah. That would be like the ultimate, like you buy from this brand because they look out for you. Obviously, it's quite a sensitive topic. So you do have to be, you'd have to be careful with how you phrase things and whatever. But I, I think that'd be, I think that'd be really valuable for people. I think people really like that. Yeah, totally. And and what I should say too is like, ideally this is done at scale and automated. So it's not like you're going to be pouring through your, customer profiles and like figuring it out, you, you know, yeah. you're, you're setting the parameters up front. And then from there, you, you capture the, the data, which comes through as custom properties, like I was saying, and then you're creating segments in your email platform. So in some sense, it's like, it is an investment of time and thought to lay it out once, but then once you do, it's almost set it and forget it. And then you kind of like tweak it and optimize. I mean, automation sequences just drive huge amounts of revenue for, for clients that I've got. Um, we've been looking through looking through some data today, actually. Like compared to the campaigns, it's ridiculous. Yeah. What, what are you seeing in terms of percentage of revenue? Uh, as a percentage of email, the, the main kind of two flows, like welcome and abandoned cart, probably like 90%. Oh, wow. But we're also, we are a bit like softer in other places. So campaigns aren't super pushy. Um, they are more for engagement and and try and build that building that brand authority. And there's other emails like you know uh, post purchase fulfillment stuff like that. Where again, it's not a super not really that salesy an email. Um, 
But actually, the work of series is doing really well. And one of the things we're doing is this basic segmentation. We're asking people a pain point when they fill out their um, the newsletter subscription for 10, uh, for 10% off. And we're segmenting based on that. And that's uh, and we're seeing better results now than we did with uh, the non-segmented version. Oh, interesting. Are you using the Clavio multi-step opt-in? Uh, we are going to test that. Um, funnily enough, we actually we set up with a company called Sleeknote. Do you know them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we, we set up with them uh, a few weeks before um, because we were looking for that two-step form. And I think literally the day that we went live with it, I got the email uh-huh. from Clavio saying, we're, we're just launching two step, uh, multi-step forms. So I was like, all right, fine. Um, the one thing I do like about sleep notice, uh, so it will, there's like a teaser in the bottom of the page, or one of the corners of the page. After a few seconds, you can have that pop up. But then when the user, uh, if the customer clicks the X, it minimizes, it doesn't disappear. So the customer can then get get on with what they were doing. They can get on with their research, their purchase, whatever. If they decide they want to re-engage with that, they can open it back up. Whereas with Clavio, it's gone. Interesting. Okay. Right. So there is something there, but then we're we're seeing um, a similar conversion rate on the sleep note form as to our previous Clavio one. So we're going to test out Clavio for a couple of weeks on multi-step, two-step, see how that uh, how that compares. And if it's the same, we'll just use Clavio because why use the third-party tool for it if if it's doing exactly the same job as, uh, as something we've got? Totally, yeah. Um, and is it when you say multi-step, you you're going three-step, three questions, four questions? Uh, no, just just two-step. Oh, got it. Okay. So it's they're both um, email and question, and then on the second page, there's another question. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So one thing that you mentioned, like 90% of revenue comes from welcome and abandoned cart. And I think that's awesome. Uh, <clears throat> one thing that's also helpful uh, with a quiz is uh, to know maybe like that some brands will ask about usage and kind of like habits. And so say like a face wash, for example, or moisturizer or, or, or shampoo. <clears throat> but if once you understand like how often they're doing things, like if it's a shampoo, for example, how often do you wash your hair? Then you might understand. Okay, they're you know they they bought this and do some simple math. Uh, we probably should send a replenishment email or like a reminder, like, hey, it looks like you you might be running out of this product. Can we send something? And so it's it's a very simple way. Again, once you set up that automation, in order to kind of like re up your um, your upsell. And it's not even an upsell. Yeah. Basically, like your your follow up purchase, just that repeat purchase, uh, and extend lifetime value. Yeah, I mean, and it just makes a difference from. Well, I mean, so many brands just don't do it at all. Uh, they just don't bother. But uh, I get a lot of brands, probably what they do at the moment is just say, we know on kind of what our expected usage is, this product is going to last 30 days or 60 days. So just send everyone an email after 60 days. And not everyone's going to use it to the same frequency. Yeah. I mean, maybe at that point we're, we're splitting hairs like, oh, you know, it's like day 55 versus day 65. Like, who knows? Oh, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, in terms of like getting, just getting an understanding of usage. But you might have three different triggers. Totally. Right. You might have, I don't know, 30, 45, and 60, something like that. Yeah. Obviously, you're not going to bother if it's a couple of days out. But um, if you think there's going to be that frequency where there is a, a big noticeable difference between two or three, uh, segments, then then it's worth um, worth collecting, and I ha- that's one I hadn't thought about asking actually. Um, I, I don't. I haven't worked with many consumable products recently, 
So it's, it's not been on my mind, but yeah, that's, that's a really good one. Like how, how often do you wash your hair? That tells you, yeah, when you should be triggering that, uh, that restock notification. I think that's a really good one. Yeah, there was a, there's a really interesting study, and I think it might have been by McKinsey or Bain on subscriptions and, and what value customers derive from subscriptions. Um, one is discovery. So that might be something more like Stitch Fix or um, Birchbox where you're like, you know, who knows, I'll open up a box, get a surprise of new products. Uh, the other is just convenience and ease. And so that's why, you know, you, you put like something on, uh, on a subscription and it's a replenishable. Uh, so, you know, you like the product, then you'll just buy it. And so, uh, yeah, it, it just kind of like ties in towards making it easier, but then also maybe, maybe you want to pause, maybe you want other products or maybe, yeah, an upsell or a cross sell makes sense at a certain point if they've purchased enough or spent enough. Um, yeah. And so the data that you're gathering from a, from the consumer via quiz is very helpful. Yeah, I know that this is going slightly off topic on subscriptions, but I'm a big fan of subscriptions. I do think they work, but I think they work if you frame them right and you get it right. You know, a lot of people are talking about subscription fatigue. And I think two, the two areas are, you've got all the like media subscriptions, right? There's, there's like 10 different video streaming uh, subscriptions you can use these days. Right, we went from one Netflix, what six seven years ago, to now like like ten, and it's just it's just gone back to where it was where before with the problem where you've now got to pay eighty ninety dollars a month to get all the content you want. So you might as well buy cable TV because that's what you were paying back then anyway. Um, and I think then the other problem is um, people trying to put subscriptions on products that don't really need it. And so people don't take the subscription and, and kind of linked to that, just not showing the value there and not being able to personalize that experience really and and explain why that subscription is is a good option for them. Like, like you said, convenience, right? There are products that you would like to receive on a monthly basis because you need them every month mm-hmm. and, you're, and you're happy to receive them. But if brands are just bad at explaining why you should use their subscription, then you're not going to do it. And, and I've gone on a bit of a rant here, but the one, one thing for me is just subscribe and save, right? There's so many brands, it's just become this like best practice thing to stick subscribe and save on, on your product and just assume that people will look at it and go, yeah, cool, that makes sense. I'll do that. Um, so yeah, run over. Let's, uh, let's get back to quizzes. Oh. Um, what are, so we, yeah, we talked about um, asking the right questions. Uh, it's all about the customer, what they want. What are some of the mistakes brands make? Some of the mistakes, I think, are questions that aren't relevant or that they won't be used. And so, you know, and, and I think this this might be an issue kind of like maybe across the board with marketers today, uh, like that more data is not necessarily better. So if you're asking a question like, that it should apply to something of, of some segmentation or, or that you'd insert it in some way or that would inform what recommendation makes most sense. Um, but I think questions that are a, a little bit whimsical or like uh, fun, I mean, that, that's good maybe because it reflects the brand voice. And and so that's, there's value there perhaps, but like, you know, what drink do I get out on Friday night? Like, I don't know how that would impact uh, the type of fragrance that I like, you know, if it's a scent finder, for example. Uh, actually, uh, it's funny you say that. I reckon there is an impact there because um, there will be stuff like people who like whiskeys 
will probably like certain types of scents. Oh, like a smoky scent? I think there actually will be some stuff there. I've, I've been thinking about this for coffee as well um, and how you can ask people what, try and get to what coffees people would like by asking them questions like, what sort of dessert do you order at a restaurant? Do you go for the fruit dessert, the ice cream, or the chocolate brownie, or something like that? And based on that, that would tell you that that person's going to like a richer dark roast, or that person's good. So you have to work that out. But yeah, that's sorry, that's just something I was thinking of not too long ago, actually. Yeah, that that's funny. That so yeah, maybe my example wasn't great. It might be like, what's your favorite season or things? But what you're talking about is great. I mean. The brands that do do it, like Trade Coffee, for example, or Wink, which is a, a wine brand, or, or First Leaf, another wine brand. Um, the taste thing, I think, is good. And and what you explained, which is good, is that it it makes it a little more accessible for novices and newbies who might not know like what tannic structure they like, but they do know, do they like strawberries or cherries? Yeah. Do you like a dry wine or a, or a sweet wine? You know, you might not know, right? Yeah, because you, you just don't know that thing. But if you ask, yeah, do you like this sort of fruit, that sort of fruit, citrus, whatever? Um, yeah. So just but going back to your point on on the mistakes. Uh, yeah, I, I like the the question I was asking today actually to my client was when we we're talking about these multi step forms. Are we when we ask we we need to work out what this next question was going to be right? So it's are we going to be able to segment off this question? Or are we going to be able to learn anything from this question that will help us improve the business? So can we use it in the automation or can we use it in the business? If the answer to that is, is no, if we don't think we can do anything with it, then it's a pointless question. We don't ask it. I think in a multi-step form example, maybe it's a little bit less important if you're getting the email and then the secondary question is that question. Like, Okay, so you've already got the most important part of what you want, which is how to contact them again with an email or SMS. Um, yeah, so it, it, that that depends, I guess, on um, where you're capturing the email or the SMS. Um, another issue I, or, or um, problem. So the first one I think is like things that don't add value and and uh, whimsical. Also, if it gets too long um, and in some sense, there are some brands that do it almost like, you know, a clinical assessment that you might see at a, at a doctor's office or something. Uh, that might be a mistake and, and lead to a lot of drop off, especially if the email is towards the end. Uh, and then also maybe just like diving in. I think it's important to prime the customers or, or the shoppers in terms of like making it a little bit easy and then ramping up uh, to questions that might be more valuable. Um, instead of like diving into things that might like might be a little bit off-putting or uh, put people on their heels from the from the outset. So in that sense, I think like thinking about from the customer's perspective, how you want to frame the questions and then like their kind of like psychological experience as they're answering is important. Yeah, I think you make a good, good point because I, I was just thinking as you were talking that uh, I, I think if customers, like we talked about at the start really, if customers can see the value in the question, I think they're they're pretty happy to answer it, right? Even if it's even if it is a little bit invasive, if they see why you're asking it, they'll answer it. But you also made a good point that if you just straight away asked, you know, going back to fitness again, if you straight away asked, do you have any medical conditions? That might be a question that just puts people off straight away. But if you are if you're asking, 
what sort of diet do you have or like age, height, weight, you know, the, the kind of standard questions someone would, would just assume that you, you know, and understand you're going to ask. Then you get to, just to, to help us personalize this further, do you have any medical conditions we should know about? Then you probably get a really high response rate. Yeah. There's probably a term for this. Is it preconditioning, maybe? Is that the right term? Like when you're, you're kind of building someone up to it and they, they now, I guess, like trust you, they're in the process and they're like, cool, yeah, I'll answer that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of the term as priming, like priming them for something. Yeah, but but ultimately it comes down to contextualizing it, like for the examples that you gave. You just want to know, like, why am I asking these things? Do I feel comfortable? And, and do I know that this will lead to the ultimate value that I'm trying to drive from the quiz? Yeah, um, it's really interesting, actually. With this, this again, this multi-step form with the client, the second question we've been asking is basically just a research question for us for a little while, just to try and get some a bit of insight. The detail that people will go into is quite amazing. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. like how open people will be. Um, and this is it's a slightly health-related product, kind of. Um, so pe- people are really open about it. They will explain that they've had surgeries or they've had injuries and and these sort of problems, and they, they, they will happily talk about it in a little email form <laughs> that they're filling in. So, yeah, again, like, but I, I guess we've primed it a little bit by asking what is their number one problem first. Mm-hmm. And then they've explained why that problem is a problem. Yeah, and then maybe there's the anonymous element of the, the internet. I'm not having to say, you know, face-to-face what some of these yeah. personal issues that I'm, I'm having, but uh, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, but I mean, some really interesting stuff, like almost like jobs to be done sort of sort of answers that we've got from this. You know, one person mentioned that um, they're not sleeping well and the issue that causes is that they don't have the energy to spend time with their daughter. Yeah. So that was a really interesting insight to come out of that because that's not just saying, oh, we've got a bit of pain that we want to help with. This was saying like, what is the ultimate thing that, is causing is a problem in my life that I want to fix with this product. So that was a really interesting one to come out of it. Yeah. Um, cool. So um, how do you see things going over the next couple of years? Obviously, or maybe next six months to a year. Um, obviously, with with those iOS changes that we're seeing, um, like brand and consumer wise, where do you think things will go? Yeah. Well, this is this would be pure speculation, and and I do have like a yeah. horse in the race in terms of like. A, a quiz, but a, a quiz is just a, like the the channel to do this. It, but I think it's it's encompassed by this customer experience, brand experience, and that there there has to be like more of a um, like a direct relationship of sorts between brand and consumer. And Shopify released a like state of Shopify in 2021, I think, which was really interesting. And maybe you can drop in the show notes. I could send you the link. Um, but again, there's this. Um, what the customers value. So they value being seen as an individual. They value uh, supporting small local businesses. They value uh, the sustainability and the ethics of the brands. And I think if you can kind of maybe tease out what what those things are in terms of like what the priority of the customer is, and then you're speaking to them almost in a one-to-one um, manner, <clears throat> as opposed to almost a spray and pray or like a blanket campaign. And so uh, ultimately like, my answer to your question is uh, there's more of a focus on um, kind of like maybe the emotions behind the brand 
and the the communication becomes more of a personalized experience as opposed to um, a, a, like a lot of blasts and more conversion focused. Yeah, so much more like one to one conversations on mass. Yeah, by personalizing, like you said, with those uh, those custom properties, um, and, and I suppose a bit more, like you said, with the the small brands, probably more um, brand value stuff as well, and people actually caring a lot more about brands that don't just put a sticker on their product saying this is a more sustainable product, but actually have it clearly throughout their website, throughout their brands, that they are a sustainable business and they care about this. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's another yeah key part of it. Um, cool. So just before we finish then, um, who in the D2C marketing space would be someone that you'd love to just have lunch with or dinner with or even a drink with? Good question. I think Common Thread Collective, uh, Taylor Holiday, I think has a lot of interesting insights. Uh, so they're, uh, I think they kind of like focus on paid ads for direct-to-consumer. Uh, but I, I, I do value like what he puts out in terms of the content, especially because uh, they they have a holding company of brands and then they're also seeing at a, a high level uh, from an agency perspective. So I think that's interesting. Uh, Websmith, I subscribe to uh, 2PM newsletter for e-commerce and it's more of like the intersection of commerce and media. Um, so I think like he has a very interesting perspective and, and kind of it's a focus, PM stands for polymath. So, so it's, it's kind of like integrated between um, like the, the economics and the consumer perspective and retail and history and um, economic. It, it, it's, it's very interesting. And, and so uh, I always find that like what he puts out uh, to be educational. So yeah, I, I would find that a valuable lunch to have. Yeah, cool. All right, I'll have to check those out and get them in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and just finally, what's, uh, you're not allowed to say pre-hook, um, what is a tool that you just can't live without? A marketing tool? Yeah, so I'm on a, I'm on a different side from e-commerce because um, I'm a, a software um, a tool though. I mean, like I, I use ActiveCampaign. Yeah, I guess for you, for you, it's more, what, what tool does your business use that, that you think is awesome and yeah, active campaign. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. What? Uh, and I, I think that that just goes for anything. It could be active campaign, Clavio, OmniSend, whatever. Um, but I think basically, like how CRMs, email providers are becoming almost like um, the, the source of truth, or, or where you're looking to um, the engine of marketing. And I think uh, maybe one one last thing that I can drop that I think <clears throat> is really interesting is how Clavio uh, and OmniSend, for example. Uh, the, the segments that you're creating and you're you're building them based on like what they've done on on the site or how they engage with emails, um, the, the customer data, all you can sync it with your Google ads or your Facebook ads, and so all of a sudden there's greater alignment with the products that you're putting out in the advertising, the the messaging, like what what the benefits of your brand are, and so I think like the integrations across different apps is excellent. Um, so to that end, maybe. Alloy. Alloy is an interesting, it's kind of like Zapier for e-commerce tools. Um, okay. And so that's that's one that I think is like, they're kind of like ahead of the curve in terms of tying these different tools in a marketing stack together so that it's like you, you have a unified marketing engine, regardless of what tools you're actually using. Okay, awesome. Yeah, definitely have a look at that one. Um, cool. So uh, how can people get in touch if they want to find out more 
what's the best way of contacting you? Or Yeah, definitely. Uh, email, gen, G-E-N, at prehook.com. Um, our website is prehook.com. And um, yeah, p- please feel free to reach out. So I love to build quizzes. I've built hundreds over the past, you know, like um, even before we had the live product. Uh, so happy to you know answer any questions or or share some ideas. Uh, and also on the back end, what you can do with uh, the data that you're gathering, because I think that there are a ton of stuff, um, and I'm really excited about it. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Ken. Thanks, Will. If you're not doing this already, quizzes are a great way to capture more data and personalize the user experience better. While you may be thinking that surely putting more questions in front of the customer would actually cause problems to the journey, if you're asking the right questions, it's absolutely fine. Customers are happy to share information that they feel will be used for their benefit. I'm looking at a dashboard right now, and for one client with a two-question pop-up plus email, of course, we're converting at about 24% because these questions are really relevant to their experience. There's so much you can do with the data you receive from this email capture, so I highly recommend looking into it for yourself. If you'd like to learn more about quizzes or try one out for yourself, head over to the Prehook website or reach out again on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback, or guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com or tweet me at Will Lawrenson. Next up, we've got David Morneau with me. And we're going to be talking about UGC, content crowdsourcing, and micro-influencers. But until then, keep those customers clicking.